forget how to do stuff when I'm gone for two weeks, apparently. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this day. We pray that you will speak to us through your word, that our hearts will be open to hear what you have for each one of us so that we can live your life in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the, the finale of Holy Week, and Holy Week is a week of remembrance. It's really important. You know, last week was Palm Sunday, and we were remembering the bittersweet, triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. He, he came in with a lot of fanfare and, and exaltation and hosannas and all of this praise, but underlying all of that, Jesus knew there was trouble. And then the rest of the week gets progressively more and more somber. We celebrated here on Monday, Thursday, the Tenebrae service. Uh, tenebrae actually means shadows. And we were reading Luke's account of Jesus' betrayal, arrest, mistrials, crucifixion, and death. And then on Good Friday, there were some posts on Facebook in which we reflected how we ourselves participated in the sin of God-killing. And just what it cost God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to make a way for us to be reconciled. We've also, today we are also wrapping up our Lenten series, What Did Jesus Do? Contemplating the Atonement. And we were, we've been talking for seven weeks about the different layers that are involved in Jesus' atoning for our sins, making us at one with God. It's not just one simple explanation. We say Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but there is actually a lot of things that that means. And so I don't necessarily want to put you on the spot, but does anybody remember any of the ways that we've kind of unpacked this idea? So, yes, Abraham and Isaac. So, Jesus ransomed us from the false gods. Um, he, he paid off when Adam and Eve sinned, when sin was introduced into the world. Basically, that was human beings who had God-given authority, who were made in God's image, saying, here, other created beings, you can have the authority instead. We basically turned over authority to these other spiritual powers, and so... Jesus, through his death on the cross, paid off the false gods who had kept us in captivity. We also talked about how um, in his death, Jesus not only, well, Jesus fulfilled the covenant that God had cut with Abraham through that weird story about the animals split up and the fire and walking back and forth through the fire. Jesus fulfilled that covenant. Uh, Jesus freed us from slavery, from the slavery of society's sin, both um, the ways that we are oppressed by society and the ways that we participate in the sins of society. Jesus led us to freedom through the Red Sea of his blood and his baptism. And he purified us from the contagion of sin. Sin is like an illness. It's like, it's like a pandemic that has been going on since 
almost the beginning of the world. Um, he purified us from that. His Somehow his bloody sacrifice cleanses and heals us. It makes us whole. And last week, or on Good Friday, we talked about how he took on himself the punishment that we deserved for our sins as individuals and as communities. We certainly encounter consequences to our sins in real life now. But through Christ, those consequences are for this life only. The punishment for those sins was laid completely on Jesus, and he took it on himself of his own free will. And yet, without the event that we celebrate today, everything we just mentioned, everything we've been talking about for the last seven weeks, would be pointless. There is one more way to describe how Jesus atoned for our sins, how he reunited us to God, reconciled us to God, and that is Jesus defeated death. We see it prefigured in the Passover story that Barb read for us. The Passover lamb is associated with the release of the Israelite slaves from Egypt, but in connection with that event, it is directly connected to the final plague in Egypt. So there were as we know, there were ten plagues that, uh, because the Pharaoh was stubborn and didn't want to let God's people go, um, he and all of Egypt had to suffer the effects of some pretty awful plagues, um, starting, actually, interestingly, with the Nile turning to blood. So blood is involved in all of this all along, um, and there were some whole bunch of frogs and flies and gnats and darkness and all kinds of hail and all kinds of crazy plagues. The first three plagues affected not only the people of Egypt, but also the people of Israel, who were living in kind of a separate region. They were still within Egypt, but they were in, a, in their own region. And they those plagues affected them. But after the third plague, none of the Israelites had to suffer the effects of any of the rest of the plagues until number 10. The 10th plague was the death of every firstborn male, human and animal. Death is the final and ultimate result of sin. The wages of sin are death. We know that when God told Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree in the garden, he said, if you eat of this, you will surely die. Well, they did. And now death is part of our reality. And every sinner must ultimately die. Guess what? We all are sinners. And it makes sense, this connection of death with sin, if we think about all the ways we've talked about sin in the last month and a half. A broken covenant leads to, in the way that the covenants were drawn up at that time of Abraham, it leads to death. We submit to false gods, we're going to die. Slavery leads to death. Contagion leads to death. And if we're worthy of ultimate punishment, that's probably going to be death. Even the Israelites, even though they were slaves in Egypt, even though they were victims of other people's sins, they too were sinners, and they were also headed towards death. 
This was a plague even they couldn't avoid unless God gave them a way out. Here's the way out. Just a couple verses picked out of that Exodus passage we read. On the tenth day of this month, each man must choose either a lamb or a young goat for his household, or share it with another small household. Then on the evening of the fourteenth day of the month, the whole community of Israel will kill the animals. You must not leave any of it until morning. If any is left over, it must be burned. On that night, I will go through the land of Egypt, killing every firstborn male, both human and animal, and punishing all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood on the doorposts will be a sign to mark the houses in which you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you and will not harm you when I punish the Egyptians. So the people needed an unblemished lamb or young goat. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, is the ultimate unblemished lamb. He, Isaiah 53, which we read for last Sunday and also for Good Friday, says, He had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And in Hebrews we, were, we read that he did not sin. He was completely without sin. He was as unblemished as you can get. He's the only human being in history who neither deserved death, nor caused death, nor perpetrated death. And John chapter 1 tells us that in him was life. He is the source of life, and he died. But it is finished. Jesus' atonement work is completed in his resurrection. If Jesus didn't die, if he didn't die the particularly horrific death that he died, and if Jesus didn't fully come back to life in every way, atonement has not been accomplished. It doesn't work. Because death is the ultimate result of sin, and so if all of the sin had been dealt with in all these other ways that we talked about, but death was not dealt with, all of the sin wouldn't have actually been atoned for either. It is crucial to our beliefs as followers of Jesus Christ that we believe and understand and know that Jesus Christ really died. And the real reason I point that out, I mean, we, we know that. We don't want to stay there. We want to celebrate the resurrection, and we're getting there. But there are, and we know that there are traditions around us that focus so much on the death that you almost forget that Jesus actually came back to life. But there are other cultures and other religious beliefs in other parts of the world that where it is believed that Jesus didn't actually die. Particularly, um, certain groups of Muslims believe that he didn't actually die because God wouldn't allow a prophet to die in such a horrific way. And so it looked like he was on the cross, but actually God substituted someone else up there, and so if Jesus didn't die, he didn't resurrect either. He just went straight back up to God. If that is how it worked, that's not necessarily something to laugh about, but it does make God a liar because um, he's tricking us. And it doesn't deal with sin or death. If Jesus didn't literally die for our sin, our sin remains between us and God. It is impossible for us ever to be reconciled. So we 
we need to remember and we need to contemplate and consider the death of Jesus. But if Jesus didn't then literally rise from death, defeat death entirely in every single way, all of his suffering is basically still just hanging there, unresolved, incomplete, as if he were still hanging on the cross where we left him. Jesus gave up his throne next to the Father to live in our grimy lives with grimy people like us, and he was misunderstood, rejected, beaten, tortured, murdered on a cross. He traded his throne with the Father for the throne of the cross. If by going through all of that, Jesus popped the clamps off our sin and released the bonds of slavery and cleaned us all up and healed us and took on himself the responsibility and punishment of our sin, which he never committed, and then he stayed dead, well then, we are, like the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen, of all people, the most miserable. Where is our hope if that's all that happened? Even if he only rose spiritually, that doesn't help us. God is spirit, and he became flesh in Jesus for two reasons. God became flesh so he could relate to us because he created us on purpose with bodies. We are hybrid beings. He made us that way on purpose. We, have, we are both spiritual and physical, and we're supposed to be. And he also became flesh because by redeeming us, these spiritual, physical hybrids, he intended to redeem this whole world, all of creation. He intends to reconcile all things to himself. Jesus was literally born, literally died, and literally rose back to life to reestablish his kingdom here on earth, not just in some future eternal life, which we are still waiting for, but in an eternal life that starts here and now because Jesus defeated death. In Matthew, the angel says to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. His whole self is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Use your eyes. His body was here, and now it's not here. Verses 9 to 10 in Matthew 28. Suddenly, Jesus met them. His whole self. He met them. Greetings, he said, which they heard. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. They touched him. Of course, we're familiar with the other places in the Gospels where it talks about Jesus affirming that he was physically risen, not just spiritually risen, to his disciples, both male and female. If Jesus only rose in spirit, well, good for him. <laughs> He's, he escaped the pain and suffering of this world, and he's just fine. But we're not, if he just rose spiritually, we're not okay, creation's not okay, a spiritual resurrection has very little to do with us, because that is not our destiny. We're not intended to be only spiritual beings. We are not intended to exist long-term as a spirit. We will have, we will be given new bodies, and they will be totally different from these Thank you, Lord. Um, 
but we're not intended to spend eternity as disembodied spirits. That's not what we were created for. So every single aspect of our sin needed to be dealt with, and the end result of that was Jesus' real, literal, physical death. If Jesus didn't also defeat death, all aspects of it, by shaking free of its power, by real, literal, physical resurrection, then everything he went through in his body never truly did ransom us from the idols, or free us from slavery, or fulfill the covenant, or purify us, or have anything to do with the punishment we deserve after all, and we are still in our sins. But Christ is risen. Jesus defeated death. If we are atoned for by Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, do we still have to die? Well, physically. Actually, in some ways also spiritually. For most, if not all of us, every day we will be offered opportunities to die to ourselves and live to Christ. One day, at the end of this present life, before the new heavens and the new earth have fully arrived, we still have to die to ourselves. We still have to consider the choices that God wants us to make. And until we become much more Christ-like than we already are, um, there are going to be times where we have to say no to the stuff we really want to do so that we can say yes to the life of Christ. But, and then at the end of our current form of life, we do have to physically die. But in neither case does death anymore have a permanent hold on us. When we die to ourselves spiritually, we find that we are more alive than ever in the life of our death-conquering Christ. When we die physically, we will be walking through a door just like Jesus walked through doors after his resurrection. It's not a tombstone that's holding us in or holding us out. We will be walking through a door just like him to a new glorified life, more intimately at one with God and each other than we have ever been. Death is no longer, it no longer stops at the grave, it no longer stops at suffering and judgment. It is just, for those who are in Christ, it is just a door to the next more glorified, more free, more joyful, more at one life that we long for. Jesus Christ, our unblemished lamb, the fully divine and fully human son of God, lived, died, atoned for us, and was resurrected so we can be saved from eternal death now and forever. No matter how you slice sin, we're kidnapped by it, or slaves to it, or sick with it, or guilty of it, the wages of sin is death. Total death. Death in every single way that you can imagine being human. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. But Jesus paid it all, like the song says. Jesus died for our sins, and Jesus defeated death. He completed it. It is finished. All things have become new. And in celebration of that, we are going to celebrate communion together. Let's, our triune God, we thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for sacrificing yourself 
for us, for honoring us, to make us so important to you that you would live as a human, die as a human, and rise as a human so that we can be free and live in your life. We pray that we will do that more and more each day until you return. In Jesus' name, amen.